March 2023, Four Corners on the ABC ran a story about what they termed the secret tactics in the real estate industry. It added fuel to the fire about whether real estate agents and buyers agents can be trusted. Today, we're going to give you our top five tips on dealing with real estate agents. Welcome to your first home buyer guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property and our where to buy workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. Today we're talking about dealing with agents. Now, it's not the first time that we've discussed this on the podcast, uh, but this episode has our top five tips for dealing with agents in the search of your first home. And of course, before we get into that, Megan has a very strange house behind her in the video. Check this out. This is called the Falcon Nest. It's a 10-story dwelling. 10-story dwelling! whose 124-foot structure, I should have converted that, I don't know how many metres that is, high, really high, makes it the tallest single-family home in North America. Unbelievable. I mean, it just it teeters over the top of everything around it. I'm hoping it's got a lift. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Going up all those stairs, it's, it's almost like, like living in Centrepoint Tower. Um, yes, it's so ugly. family. Yeah, it's horrendously ugly. Um, Architects like to push the boundaries, and those boundaries aren't always pretty. It's a shame, really, I think. But anyway, um, someone loves it. Have we ever put that house on, the one that's down in the... The in Victoria, yes, down along we the have. Road. We've done that, that was one. one of the first episodes, yeah. actually. That was a fantastic. It's called the Pole Home. Yeah, uh, down on the Great that- Ocean Road. That one's a bit weird. I prefer to be in that than the one behind you right now. Oh, the view down there is just phenomenal. It's incredible. Very windy, though. Uh, <laughs> that's what, Imagine you know. cleaning those windows, Veronica. That's what my mum would think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got one of those external things that just was there and you, anyway, whatever. I've <laughs> got the magnets on either side anyway. Yeah, like, we that, digress. You want that, but it could get blown off. If the wind's strong enough, it could blow those things off the window. <laughs> According to a survey in 2022 about the most trusted professions in Australia, the three least trusted were advertisers, used car salesmen, and real estate agents. Now, those last two have been at the bottom three for a number of years, but it's the first time advertisers have been there. 
And I would hazard a guess that influencers might fall into that category too. <laughs> yes, <laughs> potentially. It sort of says a lot, doesn't it? Um, look, Four Corners on the ABC ran an expose in March 2023 on the secret tactics some agents use. And, you know, touched on some dodgy buyers agents too, which is a bit of a worry um, from our side of the fence. Now, there are about 70,000 real estate agents across the country. Um, nobody actually knows how many buyers agents there are, but there's best estimates are around about 1,800 to 2,000. But let's just look at the 70,000 sales agents or just actually real estate agents. Because the thing is that real estate agents cover auctioneers, cover property managers, cover sales agents, covers buyers agents, covers uh, business agents, covers stop and station agents. Um, what else? Strata managers and also a bunch of people that have a real estate license that don't actually operate as a real estate agent. A lot of accountants. A lot of people. Brokers. Yeah, there's a lot of people, a lot of uh, real estate licenses floating around. A lot of people with different personalities, values, and <laughs> ethics. It's certainly true. <laughs> it's just like any industry, really, isn't it? You know, I'm not, I'm not serving under the carpet. I'm certainly not making excuses for anybody. But you know, that's that's the world we live in. The fact is, though, when you're searching for your first home, you come into contact with so many real estate agents that it might feel overwhelming and frustrating because you probably are going to deal with some that you just don't feel you can trust. Um, it's funny, you, you say just like any industry, and like every industry does have its bad eggs, but the problem is with the property industry is that it is a very low barrier to entry. Absolutely. With the potential to make very high earnings. And so that is a bit of a recipe for disaster as well as, you know, and, and, and on that show we could see that we're not regulated, I don't think. It's, I don't think the regulators have the teeth to properly enforce the regulations but anyway you might start to feel like all agents are dodgy and i could sort of understand why yeah they're not all dodgy though no and the reason that we know that veronica is we deal with scores of agents every week in you know buyers agents their main points of contact are real estate agents so yeah, we've seen the good, we've seen the bad we've seen the downright dodgy yeah they do exist i'm not proud of it i don't like it i'd like to see it stamped out but Human beings are human beings and some human beings will flaunt what they can to get the best return for themselves that they possibly can. Um, you know, with decades of practice, we know how to work with each of these types of agents. So you take we notes, do. everybody. And we can get frustrated too. There are times when we're yelling and screaming, not yes. at them in the background. Put the phone down. Actually, don't put the phone <laughs> down. You press end on the phone and then, you know, but we've got each other and we've got our teams to sort of all bitch about them with and then have a download nice... and say, how would you deal with this? This is the oh, situation I've just yes. encountered. Yeah, We do that all the time. And then we put our poker face on and we go back out there and we go into battle. But <laughs> it is a given that you're going to have to deal with real estate agents if you want to buy a home, right? And unless you engage a buyer's agent to act on your behalf, um, you know, where you Then can, you can avoid them altogether. You can. But, you know, as the episode showed, um, not all buyer's agents are the same. And we've discussed that too back in, what was it, episode 32? Episode 32. 32. Yes. Well, we gave you all the tools you need to choose a buyer's agent back then, back there, I should say. So go back and listen to that one. If, you, if you're thinking about getting a professional on board, I would say sort of before we go through these five tips for you, or um, is that honestly, and, and I've done a lot of work to, to look through the qualifications to become a real estate agent and a buyer's agent, and 
seriously, if you do our course, you will know more than pretty much every new buyer's agent hitting the market. So, you know, just doing our course will help you make a better decision on the buyer's agent you choose. And I think that was what was quite alarming uh, with this episode was that for anybody thinking, oh, well, the easy answer is to get a buyer's agent, someone who can represent me, what we're here to tell you, you need to know, learn some skills around how to choose a good buyer's agent as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Because a buyer's agent could actually end up costing you more than just their fee. It could end up costing you the wrong property. It could end up costing you the wrong price. Uh, it could end up costing you a lack of due diligence, the amount of, you know, that the discussion, that lack of discussion, I think, from some buyer's agents around what is good due diligence, what is thorough due diligence. It's not just doing a building and pest inspection and a bank valuation. That's not due diligence. It's not just having a solicitor look over your contract and do the conveyance process for you. That's only a small part of the due diligence. It is so much more and so much bigger than that. That is just like the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> but look, for, for most buyers, a buyer's agent's out of reach. You know, it's it's a cost that you just can't add into saving up your deposit, What it, whether that's 10, 15, 20%, whatever you've determined with your mortgage broker is the right amount. They're, they're out, out, really out of reach. So really a real estate agent is your main point of contact or they are the main contacts you'll have during the process, the most people that you'll kind of run into. Um, now in your first home buyer guide, we give you bucket loads of tips and strategies, even cheat sheets on how to deal with agents, questions to ask, how to gather information, how to do your due diligence. Um, and way back in episode um, 67, we did a whole episode on the topic of dealing with agents. So this time, what we thought we would do in light of the, the, the Four Corners episode that was on, we're just going to give you the top five tips that we've got on how to deal with agents so that you do feel confident. And if you don't feel like you can trust them, then you know how to get the information that you need so that you can still move on with the, with the process. Yeah, and what to believe and, and what the limitations are of what they are going to tell you. You know what I mean? Because I think some people assume an agent's going to tell them everything they need to know and the agent won't and doesn't have to even. And I know that's horrific, but it's true. And so this is you very know, different in very start, every state. It, absolutely. And if the thing is, as a purchaser, you're going to spend the most amount of money that you've ever spent on anything in your life, right? Do the work. Make sure that you protect yourself. You know, because at the end of the day, the buck stops with you. It doesn't matter how crooked these people are or are not. There are certain things they do have to tell you. And, and when they're outside of the legislation, you know, they may or may not get penalized. But there's other things that they don't have to tell you that you need to know. And you need to know what that is, how to find that information. And that is your responsibility as a buyer. Rightly or wrongly, it's the fact. That's the way it is. COVID and tour, let the buyer beware. And that is the premise for in most states, actually. Let's let's get into it, Veronica. Our top five tips for dealing with agents. Firstly, number one, and most important, number one, home buyer academy, home buyer principle is the real estate agent does not represent you. Listen, listen to it again. The real estate agent does not represent you. Don't get cranky with them if they are doing their job. Their job is to represent the seller and to get the highest price for the property. That's their job. 
It's their fiduciary obligation. It's what they're employed to do and what their agency agreement with the seller instructs them to do. So they don't have an obligation to you. None. Other than in doing the job for the seller, the vendor, they've got to look after buyers, you know. And, and they can't misrepresent. Yeah. I, I guess you know, they, they can't misrepresent the property. They can't. Um, but there's there's a lot that there's a lot they can do in terms of influence, and and I guess that's what that four corners, you know, part of that four corners episode was actually um, uh, some of the tactics that are used to get you to pay more money, or to get you interested in a property, or to get you to make an offer. They're not illegal in that way, but you just need to have your eyes open to them so that you can make your own independent decisions. Um, they're a huge part. Real estate agents are a huge part of your journey. You can't avoid them. You can't just ignore the ones that you don't like or you you think are a bit dodgy because they might actually end up having your dream home listed for sale. You've got to deal with everybody. You just can't go like even as a buyer's agent, we just can't go. Oh my god, I just can't stand working with that person. I'm not going to buy anything off them. It just doesn't work that way. We've uh, there's been plenty of times we've wanted to. I tell you, certainly yes. in my business, <laughs> and and we have to work a strategy internally in a, uh, around how to deal with certain individual agents. And that's because we do this day in, day out. And in, in fact, some agents are so annoying to deal with for buyers that we actually get business purely because they've got a listing that the buyer wants. They come to us and say, oh, I was going to do it all myself, but, you know, Joe Blow over there, he's the one with the um, the listing and I can't stand him, so therefore I'm, I'm going to engage you. They want to remove themselves from that process. <laughs> Some of them, those shocking agents have been the best things for our business, I tell you. But be that as it may, it's a struggle for us too at times because some of them are particularly difficult. Now, they are the exception to the rule where they're yeah. that bad, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, but I, is- I would say that we deal with far more good quality, honest agents than we deal with um, dodgy, unethical, snake agents. It's it's way more in the positive than it is in the negative. But you aren't going to come across them. <laughs> yeah, and also, however, the good agents will use dialogue their job is to get an offer out of you. They know how to work it. They know how to work you. They know more information than you know, you know, and learning their dialogue is really important so that you can avoid being sort of, you know, lulled into making an offer when you weren't ready. There's lots of things that they can do to cause you to act. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, back back to, to this number one, Veronica, in that the agent represents the seller, that, that doesn't mean that they're not going to treat you with respect sometimes it's not doesn't mean that they're not going to be friendly towards you that that doesn't change the relationship that they have with the seller and, and what their job actually is and and we talk about and Veronica you've got a great saying which is you catch more flies with honey so which is it, funny because you think why do you want to catch flies but anyway <laughs> but it's sort of a truism right <laughs> acid it doesn't is, get them <laughs> and it and it speaks to you know that whole um, way of approaching it doesn't matter who it is in your life really I mean imagine you're out there and you're trying to get something that you want you're, you're not going to get it by strong arming I was fortunate to um to uh have purchased a ticket to um see a live stream of Barack Obama in in March and it one of the things that he said actually there and, and this is not a male female thing it's more of an observation is yeah he would like to see um, women run every country for a period of two years because his belief is that um, there's, there's this very patriarchal 
kind of way of strong arming that world leaders have who are male and his experience in dealing with female world leaders during his time and subsequent time after being president was that they have a much more empathetic and caring side. So the way they conduct themselves in politics is, is, is really quite different. Um, and what I liked about that is it sort of speaks a little bit to this, you know, catch more flies with honey. And and where he was going was to say that um, you can get a better outcome sometimes if you work in harmony with someone, even if you have different opinions, different ways of doing things, you can actually reach a way of moving forward with someone in a way that is pleasant if you can control the narrative in that way or if you can guide the narrative in that way. And I really quite liked that. And I think it works with real estate agents as well, because if you go in there and you're either holding your cards so close to the, your chest that, you know, you, you're not telling, you, you, you're misleading them by telling them that your price range is this when it's really this. And then you're getting frustrated because you're not getting the kind of information answers or or interest from the agent that you are. And we had a client come to us the other day, I bought for them about 11 years ago, and they're ready to downsize now. And they came to us because they it was a real sort of last minute, um, spur of the moment decision. So we sat down, we did a strategy session, had a look at whether this is the right decision for them, then was it the right property. And, and then they said, look, we just um, we don't want to deal with this agent. He, you know, we asked him a few questions and he just dismissed us and he was really arrogant and we didn't like it. Now, when we took that over and actually went to the agent, the agent said, oh my God, I had no idea they were interested. They showed absolutely no interest in the property and they didn't return my calls when I did the follow-ups. I had no idea they were interested. He's not a bad agent. He just, they were giving him all the wrong signals. They weren't engaging with him to show that they had interest so that he could spend the time then to give them the information that they needed. So I think that, the, you know, wrapping up number one here is that you've got to, you've got to understand who the agent is representing and you've got to deal with them in a respectful way, um, understanding that and not getting defensive because of that, you know, not being in just be not just generally being pissed off because they're doing their job. Now, <laughs> some of them might do their job really badly in our view, but at the end of the day, if we recognize they're not working for us, we might have less expectation of them. I think that's a good point. That's a great point. Number two, ask the right questions. <laughs> take, take to the point here. <laughs> take everything that is given to you and everything that is said to you as rumor, as Megan likes to say, until independently proven true. Take it with a grain of salt. It's like, okay, fact check the lot. You know, it's it's like, I will take that as rumor until I've see proof. But and the, that's everything. Know, that's, you know, that's the brochure that you get handed. That's the floor plan that you're looking at. It's the that's videos. That's the direction. Yeah. That's the actual where north is on the floor plan. How many times have you seen that pointing in the wrong direction? Absolutely. And and also, you know, even th things, so, you know, people can make mistakes. But that's what we're saying. It can be mistakes. There's not always an intent to mislead. There can just be, I remember there was no door through to a laundry. It looked like you had to go into the laundry from outside. It's just a mistake. It they was an omission. The there was plan. a door. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a wall where a door should have been. Yeah. <laughs> Thing, you know, that, that's an error. But you can you can actually take that floor plan with you and walk through a property and go, oh, okay, that's not quite right. Yeah, okay. You know, oh, that's, you know, you're not going to measure every room probably at that point in time. But you, you can look at how does the actuality compare to the floor plan or the ad. You know, if it says that it has, it's north facing, which which bit's north facing? Yes. Like, is it the front or the back? 
because that's different. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And look, as we me- as I mentioned earlier, you know, due diligence is your job. It's, you know, because... Can you just it- say that again, Veronica? Can you just say that point again? <laughs> I'll spell it out. Due diligence is your job, not the agent's job. And the agent is not required to tell you everything that you need to know before buying that property. And this may be a shock to people. We talked about caveat emptor, which is Latin for buy beware. This may be a shock. It was a shock to me. Uh, in New South Wales, we have vendor disclosures. Certain things a vendor has to tell you, right? And I still, I still don't think that's adequate. Uh, in Queensland, they tell you very like limited a, stuff, a sliver more than bugger all. Really, I mean, they're basically <laughs> to tell you if you fight, if they're fighting with a neighbour, or if the pool is or isn't compliant. Something to do with smoke alarms? Is that it? Yeah, and and a safety switch. Yeah. Oh, a safety switch. Yeah, yeah. about that. Yeah. Of course, there's other disclosures with strata, but uh, you know, for freehold property, that's pretty much it. So they don't have to tell you the land size. They don't have to tell you if it's in a flood zone. They don't have to tell you it's a bushfire zone. They don't have to tell you whether or not there's a mortgage or a caveat on it or an easement. Or they don't have to tell you any of that stuff. That is absolutely uh, easement. Ca- yeah, easement and caveat. Sorry, yeah, Veronica. An easement. Oh, yes. Tell you that. An easement. Oh. Yes. Apologies. But uh, there is a um, there there is a general response that um, agents have been instructed. Some agents have been instructed by their legal representatives to say that every tick to tick that every property has an easement. So it kind of gets them out of saying yes or no. It's just always there unless it's a registered easement, and then the uh, easement dealing number has to be on the contract. That is a classic. So. Yeah, or the other thing they don't have to—they don't have to give you a sewer diagram. No, they don't. You, you, and in fact, you might not may not even get one during your conveyancing. But if you do get it during the conveyancing, if your contract is not subject to conveyance search results, then there's nothing you can do if you find a sewer. If you haven't done your due diligence, and in your first time buy guide, we show you how to get this information for free online and what you need to get what well, you need on. to do you when to you find it the course but well, we course, show you where yeah, to get the information, information free, free. <laughs> <laughs> wind that back oh, 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 oh. um look even you know what because I, I i've also got a buyer's agent mentoring program for new buyer's agents right and so in doing that i've researched the pathway to become a buyer's agent across the whole country now buyer's agents and real estate agents have to get the same license okay an advice agent mostly does the education for a real estate agent. Yes, but you know what? That neither of them get taught how to do this stuff. We're teaching you in this course stuff that a real estate agent might not even actually know how to do. And it's shocking that they don't because I have to tell you, uh, yes, when I did my license all those years ago, I didn't know how to do it either. I was taught by the the um the experience agents in our sales office when I was a sales agent and also my my principal the owner of the business her husband was a lawyer so he used to come in and train us on contracts and all the rest of it so we were very very privileged to be given detailed That's instruction a high level of information you were given there and quite thorough it was really good and even at the time I mean I was appreciative of it it's only in retrospect that I went how appreciative right so, so we do, and we have imparted some of this knowledge that that Megan and I both have from our many, many years of experience. We've imparted with in the course and in the due diligence process. And as I said, I teach new buyers agents how to do this, and it's a revelation to them. They don't come out knowing how to do it. So, um, sales agents would also not know how to do it. So there was that. Um, it's not their job to either. 
That's no, it isn't. Although if that's they're making, the thing we want you to know as well. It, but if they're making a representation, so say that they're saying their land size, as in the example in the Four Corners story. Now that was made even worse because it was a sales agent wasn't not just selling a property, but he's selling his own property. You would think that he would know it was if it was eight acres or five acres. You would think he would know. Um, clearly, he didn't. But there's a there's a possibility he didn't know. There's a possibility that he doesn't know how to check, which is mind-blowing. And, yeah, it's mind-blowing that he, one, got that wrong in two places on the advertising, not just one, so it's not a typo, two places on the advertising. But then why wasn't it picked up by the solicitor? Well, here we go, because (laughs) (laughs) solicitors often don't look at the marketing of a property they Absolutely just look at the contract. not. Also, a survey is not a prescribed document in any jurisdiction, right? Um, and a survey is the document that will confirm the land size, but there is another way that you can know the land size. And a solicitor, if they were checking that, could have found out very, very easily. And in fact, this buyer could have found out very easily. Clearly, if you're not using a property specialist who goes to that little extra detail to check these things, it's going to get missed. If you don't know what you're doing and what to look for, it's going to get missed. And if you're believing the agent and the agent also doesn't know what to look for and where to get that information, it's going to be missed. So the misrepresentation is unconscionable in my view because he's a real estate agent, should know better, plus it's his own property. But I can understand exactly how this could have unfolded. Absolutely. And and I want to go back to that point about the, the conveyance process. Because it's it goes back to not, and my heart breaks for these people. They they got three and a half acres less than they paid for, paid for, um, and can do less with the property than they thought that they could because of the size of it. But I want to go back to that solicitor. It is quite possible the solicitor did that search and found the correct information. But if there isn't, the, if the buyer then isn't looking at the information that solicitor has uncovered and provided. And comparing that to what their expectations are or the advertising is, it's actually the buyer who sits between those two that has to put those things together and say, this is the actual, this is the real, this is the fact. How does that compare to what my expectation is or how this has been marketed to me? And if those two things don't marry up, then you know that there's a problem with how it's been represented. But if you've got someone who says over here it's this size and you're not then joining the dots between what you think it should be and what it actually is then that sits somewhat in your court or if you have a buyer's agent in their court to double check these things as part of your due diligence yes so we will labor this point a bit more really that it is your responsibility as a buyer to know what you need to know because a lot of people just assume that if the, if the contract was looked at by a lawyer, that it must be fine because they abdicated all of their responsibility to somebody who isn't necessarily checking the things that they think they're checking. They're checking something else. So this is, uh, you know, I just go on and on about lots of examples of uh, similar examples of this happening. Um, so well, think re- about renovations and additions. Yes. And you know, a that's a classic example. one. Um, if you if you're looking at a property that say has a deck or 
a, a garage that is an addition or it's been it's got a it's it's bigger than it used to be when it was originally built so it's had another story added or or something like that it's got a pool those things all have to be certified by the local council the local government authority um and if the ad says that it's there and you pay for it then it's up to you to check that it was actually appropriately certified and built to the code of the of the day or the plans of the day it, because otherwise there's problems there's there's real issues i've just got example after example after example <laughs> going through my brain as you as you're talking there megan i mean i'll give you two really super short ones and this happened what actually happens is in a hot market when there's you know when the buyers panicked and they really want to buy that property they'll overlook this stuff and they'll take shortcuts and this is where it can cost you so we had a client looking at a property it was actually in balmain uh, in Sydney, and it had a, a back gate for parking. Parking is quite a premium in Sydney, probably on estimate around only about 20% of properties have parking. So it's very, very, it's very prized, right? And then because of one of the things that we check is that what was approved in the renovation and what was built, so what's on the floor plan versus what, what was approved are the same thing. And so we always request additional information from the agent. We got that additional information. In that, it actually specifically said that that parking was not approved. Oh, wow. When we took it up with the agent, the agent was quite belligerent around it and says, well, Vendor Solicitor says it is approved. I'm going, but they've got a council document here saying it's not. Vendor Solicitor says it is. I'm going with what they say. Of course you are, you know. And so they refuse to disclose it. It's not the agent's job to do any further investigation because their solicitor has told them that. True, although, you know, this is murky world, right? And so they just refuse to disclose that to any other buyers, you know. So we disclose it because we know what to ask for. It's back to knowing the questions to ask. I would imagine that that would make a big difference in the price that you would pay. Huge difference to price. So we still went for it, but we went for it with a much lesser budget and needless to say, we didn't buy it. And so that is just one example. Another example was a property we looked at. A client came to me and said, I love this house and had had this full-on underground excavation. Down there was, you know, a very glamorous bathroom, weirdly enough, and, and, a, and a laundry. And this room that had no windows and it was set up like a bedroom. Now, I know. Alarm bells. Well, exactly. No windows in a bedroom is not a bedroom. It's <laughs> probably a storeroom. And so I'm like, oh, can you please give me a copy of the plans as we approved from council? Um, and then she sheepishly says to me, and she styled this. This isn't like uh, people living there and someone using it as a bedroom. This agent has overseen the styling, which meant she said to the stylist, put a bed in there. So she's culpable here. You know, she's advertising it as a bedroom when it is not a bedroom. And if people don't know this, they look at a house and go, how many beds? They've got four beds in it, so it's four bedroom, you know? And on the on the floor plan, I had a bed on it. When I requested what was approved so I could compare, we discovered that not only was that room meant to be a storeroom, as I suspected, it was meant to be a third of the size. Oh. So what they'd actually done, when they started excavating to create the storeroom, which was approved, they went, oh, I might as well just keep going, you know, <laughs> keep going, make the room bigger. They're not making any more land. Had to actually build a, a brick, like basically rip it all the tiles out and everything, put a new abessa brick wall back in. So they, they basically, two thirds of that room is now behind a abessa brick wall with no access because they were busted. And I'm like, you have to do something about that. 
Yeah, and and I guess that's the thing. I mean, we don't want to go too far into due diligence here and and impacts of these sorts of things, but it it is, I think, I just want to see that through, and that is there there are ramifications if you purchase a property that doesn't have certification, appropriate certification um, for use, and that can be as serious as the local government authority may issue a show cause notice um, if they become aware of of something that is um, not a legal structure uh, or hasn't been built um, with the appropriate approvals and certification. That show cause notice often is issued with a either make it compliant or rip it down, make good. And, and insurance does not cover unapproved structures. So if something happened on your property, whether that be you know a, a major storm event or a flood or whatever, that's not going to be rebuilt by your in- your insurance isn't going to cover it. Um, but not only that, it could put in jeopardy your entire insurance policy. So this is you know all very major stuff. And in this particular case, I said to my client, "What are you going to use that room for down there? Oh, I want to set up a gym." And I'm like, "Well, if it was a third of the size, can you still get all your equipment in there?" Well, no, it wouldn't suit me at all. And so imagine if they bought it to set up the gym and then council had forced them to make it smaller. Or even if, and I said, okay, well, if if you are going to go for this house, you have to not count that in the pricing. So we price that as a three-bedroom house, not a four-bedroom house. Yep, yep. Which is appropriate. Which, of course, somebody else who didn't know any better would probably price it as a four-bedroom house. So that's how you can easily overpay for property as well. Absolutely. Asking the right questions. So we've talked about, uh, it's been a long time talking about the first two points. What's number three? Let's go to number three. And (laughs) you touched on this earlier, and that is agent speak. So our top, a number three tip for you is to watch their language. A lot of agents use puff, what's called puffery in the industry, and they're very passionate but don't let it sway you. So, you know, the, the, the script and dialogue that agents are taught to help them handle objections. And and objections might be where you're walking through a property and you go, oh, yeah, look, it's okay, but I don't like or this bit doesn't suit me. That That's an objection. And agents have awesome script and dialogue to be able to reframe in your own mind how you could overcome that issue or get you to think that it's not an issue at all. How many times have we seen that, Veronica? Let's do it ourselves. We both were sales agents. I remember walking into houses that were dark and then saying, right, well, let's get a couple of quotes for skylights. You know, houses still got the wrong aspect. You know, you've got to put yeah. skylights in the hallway and you stuff. you got to look like, at the bigger picture. It's not ideal. It's not yeah. ideal. Yeah. But that, and that natural was, light know, is also um, airflow. Uh, let's well, you know, it's a bit hot in this room. An agent might say, "Oh, well, we've had a quote for air conditioning, and and that 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 is their way of overcoming uh, an objection, which is fine. That's that's they're working for the seller. They're trying to get you to buy that property. You need to step back and go, but do I really want to live with air conditioning on all the time, or do I like to have my windows and doors open and have fresh air? How how do I like to live? You know, electricity's costs are going up. Do I really want to be paying for that all the time?" So, so whilst it's really good that they have these ways of coming up with ideas that can help you overcome things, so a big one is uh, for a lot of young families where where the children are, are quite little, they want parents want the bedrooms to be pretty close, same proximity, yeah, you know, most of the time on the same level if it's a two or three level house. And agents, you know, the sort of thing that can come out is, 
well, you know, they won't be little forever and then you'll want your own space. So they're trying to think you to get you to think well in advance, well into the future about how you might use the house instead of the next eight years where those kids are going to get out of bed two or three times a night and kind of want to find you and they're going to fall up the stairs and down the stairs and you're going to fall up the stairs and down the stairs getting to them. So, you know, the, the, the ways of handling objections, that's what they're trying to do. And that's why they're good at what they do. That's why and then they sell houses and get buyers to buy houses that do have objections, that do have challenges. Um, but you just need to be able to step back and go, okay, what, what, what does that really impact me? Is that really what I want? Yes, that sounds like a good solution, but is it really right for me? That's it. So they're very good at persuasion and just remember that. And try to put the cone of silence down, you know, so your protection, your Teflon coating. Number four is knowing their process. Honestly, we can't stress this enough. Like everything else we're stressing too, but this is don't assume that they do the same, they all act in the same way. Don't assume that they handle offers in the same way. Don't assume that they handle their owners in the same way. Don't assume that they will prepare for auctions in the same way or run their auctions in the same way. And particularly when you're making offers, it's very important to understand the process rather than, and so then you can be more strategic. And we do teach this in the, in the course as well. And there is a definite framework that you can use to approach this because if you assume they're all the same, you're only going to get it right some of the time. You, know, you can't even be- assume that the same agent is going to do things the same way because each owner is different and each owner might provide different instructions to the agent as to how they want things um, done. So just even assuming that if you go to three properties with the same agent, don't assume that their auction process or their private tree offer process is going to be the same because it's also about the owner. And other buyers, like they're going to do it differently if there's one buyer or if there's three, you know. So, um, and you've got to sort of start to learn, okay, what's the dip? What are the signs to look for? You know, when, how can I know they're bluffing or not? And this is really hard stuff to know. This is stuff that we do teach because it's really important to know so you don't get sucked into there. So they, what you want to do is be, have your eyes wide open when you're negotiating with them so that you can, by knowing their process, you can make decisions along the way. Whereas if and you be don't on the same know their level. process, yeah, yeah. you don't know their process, you are then at the mercy of their process and you're blind to it and your head's spinning, you think, what the hell is even happening? Yeah, and and that's when people turn around and say, oh, I didn't know you were going to sell that before the auction. I, I, I would have paid, paid that because they haven't known what the process would be. They haven't known. And we're going to talk about um, our number five. We're, we're going to get onto this in a minute. But if you don't know how things are going to be handled, you might be preparing for an auction in four weeks, but offers come in in week two and if you're if you don't know that that's a possibility and you haven't shown your hand to the agent you haven't expressed interest in the property then you might be completely cut out of the process because the agent doesn't even know that you've got any interest now that yep. would be frustrating if your dream home went because you didn't know what the process was going to be yep we well, just not ready otherwise are ready you're not <laughs> you know, it's, can't do anything about it. They're going to get it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right. Number five in our top five ways of dealing with agents is actually Home Buyer Academy, Home Buying Principle number 12. And that is don't let the process of the negotiation impact on your decision to buy a property. 
wow, how many times have we been at a barbecue and someone has said, oh, it was just so hard I walked away. <laughs> but what? Who, who did you punish there? Did oh, yeah, you punish yourself. anyone else? <laughs> like, oh, hello, that's called, you know, cutting out, is it? Cutting your nose off to spite your face. Oh, um, You're not full of these today, Veronica. <laughs> I know. I was just like a... Whatever. Anyway, um, walking cliche today. <laughs> I'm a walking, talking cliche. So the other, the other one is that people say, "Well, I'm not going to buy f- because that's auction. Uh, going to auction, I'm not going to go for it. I'm not going to go for it because going to auction. It's like it might be the best possible property for you, and you need to learn the process. Learn the process. Learn how to deal with auctions. Um, you know, uh, yeah. So that is a classic example of absolutely where method of sale dictates whether someone's going to go for the property or not. That's nuts. It's insane because if that's a good property, it is achievable within your price range, and it fits the criteria that you've got. Not the perfect, but the perfectly imperfect home. Then it doesn't matter how it's being sold. It doesn't matter who's selling it, and it doesn't matter what the process is. Because if you keep your eye on that longer term vision of this is the right property, I've done my due diligence, I know everything I need to know, I've priced this property really well and I know what I'm prepared to pay, doesn't matter if it's an auction, doesn't matter if it's a multiple offer. I've seen people pull out of negotiations, I haven't seen them, I've heard of people who pull out of negotiations just because other people have made offers. Now, I mean, that's the cornerstone of a property that has a high interest a good quality property will have a high level of interest. So if you're only going to put offers on places that no one else is going to make an offer on, I'd question Warning. what you're buying. Yeah. <laughs> you might oh, 100%. Be- I mean, this is a thing we don't like to compete because you want a clear runway, but at the same time you sort of you gain um, confidence by the fact somebody else wants it. You know, So there's social proof in that as well. So that, that, that can lead to another difficulty where oh, here's another one. You can go to auction. Right, you're there, ready to buy it. You think, oh, no one else is registered. What's wrong with it? I'm not. Oh, I won't do anything then. <laughs> and it's like, well, actually, this is what you've been wanting. It's the perfect situation. <laughs> if you've done all your due diligence, if you're priced it appropriately, you're in the box and you're ready to buy. You're in the box seat. You know, use this to your advantage. But quite often, and so that's an example of the process of the negotiation impacting your decision to buy as well, because you're thinking, oh, there must be something wrong with it. And it's like, well, actually, no, you've done all your work if you've done it. It, it, Obviously, if you've turned up not having done the due diligence, yeah, sure. Maybe someone else, everyone does know something you don't know. Don't go to auction. Don't go starting negotiation without doing your due due diligence. But, you know, if you have and you're ready, and we've done that. Well, we went to auction for a client a couple of weeks ago, and we knew there were potentially three people on this property, and um, we ended up being the only people there. Well, and that can be like, a number of circumstances, not to do with the property. Sometimes that's to do with the buyers themselves. Maybe the bank didn't the come through too. with the finance approval in time. You know, maybe there's a, they've just found out they're pregnant. Maybe they've just decided they're going to separate. Maybe there's job uncertainty. It can have nothing to do with the property at all if bidders are lost. That's it. And the, and the thing is um, that you don't know the circumstance of other buyers. Luck has a lot to do with it, right? Luck can go the vendor's way. I've seen people rock into an auction that saw the property for the first time <laughs> that day and go stupid. I've seen that happen enough times to know it happens, right? And and on the flip side of that, I've been at auctions where it's like every other, it's like the Stephen Bradbury moment. That's what we call it in our business. The Stephen Bradbury moment is when all the fastest skaters fell over 
Stephen Bradbury wasn't even a medal hope, and all of a sudden he's got a gold. Ice but skating. He got to the grand. He got to that final. He was in the race. That's the thing. He did the preparation. He did the hard work. He made it to the final, and he gave himself the best opportunity. So when the others fell away, he earned that. He did. So we were. That's what we call it in our office. It's like you know the only way we're going to get this property. Sometimes it is. But the only way we're going to get this property is a Stephen Bradbury moment. There's a slim chance <laughs> you've got to be there, but you, you can't ignore it because there's a, is a chance. But we know there's a slim chance, so it's like we have to be ready. We get there, and there's like yeehaw, all the other skaters fell over. <laughs> you didn't get it because the faster skaters got it and, and you sort of knew that, but you had to be there because, you know. And so so this is this is a very important principle is not not you letting your head get in the way. You know, it's it's going and approaching buying property in a very systematic, step by step way, you know, so that you can make really clear decisions on this and you can't you won't be devastated if you miss out either because you've got your eyes open. Yep. And if you uh, if you follow our five tips, plus the additional information that you'll find in your first home buyer guide, then it doesn't matter who the agent is. You actually will put yourself in a position of knowledge. You'll be an empowered first home buyer. And it doesn't matter what the agent says, because you know how to verify the information. You know how to stand independently. And you know how to make sure that you are the, in the right place at the right time with the right information to take advantage of any opportunity. In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff.